Amen. Let us turn to God's precious word for our scripture reading. And we're turning to Jonah, the book of Jonah, one of the minor prophets. We have been looking through this particular book in the Bible together. And today we're coming to the third chapter, Jonah and the chapter 3. We're going to read the whole of the chapter together and let us hear God's word and that the Lord would speak to our hearts today through his precious word. Jonah 3 and the verse 1. And the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go on to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went on to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even on to the least of them. For the word came on to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Amen. We land there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord bless this public reading of his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We're turning together once again to God's word and to the book of Jonah. And we're coming today to commence the third chapter. I trust that you have been reading Jonah, even in your own time, and to see what we can further glean from this book in the Bible and the various themes that it contains. And we're coming today to look into the third chapter and really just to focus our attention upon the opening three verses. And here in Jonah 3, the verses 1 to 3, uh, we have something of the details of the restoration of Jonah. And that's what I want to think about today. Let's just unite our hearts together in a word of prayer 
and ask for the Lord's help as we come to the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank thee for the privilege of being able to sing thy praise, of being able to open up the scriptures of truth, to read and to meditate upon thy precious word. And even now, O God, give to us that focus of mind and that concentration of heart, and that our steps this day would indeed be ordered by the Lord. Close us in to thee. Grant us, O God, help in the ministry of thy word. And may we have grace today to exalt and to magnify our Lord and Saviour. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, chapter 3 of Jonah gives to us something of the details how Jonah was restored to the Lord and how he was recommissioned in service to the Lord. And that's what we want to focus our attention upon this morning from these opening verses of the chapter. But later we also hope to come in chapter 3 to the revival that broke out in Nineveh as a result of the preaching of Jonah. And the details of that would be contained from verse 4 through to the verse 8. And then the chapter closes with the result of Jonah's ministry at Nineveh. And it's there summarized in the verses 9 and 10. And so really to give an outline of chapter 3, it speaks to us about the restoration and it speaks to us about the revival and it speaks to us about the result of Jonah's ministry in Nineveh. And so today we think about the restoration of Jonah. And from the end of chapter 2, you would remember that he's back upon dry ground. And he is also back in fellowship with the Lord. And so as we enter into the third chapter, I want you to notice with me firstly today the commissioning of Jonah. And you look there at verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And here you can see in those words, the mercy of God in this commissioning. The word of the Lord came on to Jonah. My, it's a mercy to hear the word of the Lord just once. But we read there in that opening verse that the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time. The second time. And you go back to the very first chapter and you look at the second verse of the first chapter, here was the commissioning the first time. And the Lord said there, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And you look at verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And here as the Lord had called them and commissioned them the first time, of course, Jonah rebelled. Jonah ran away. 
But in mercy, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. F.B. Meyer, Bible commentator, commented on that thought of the second time with the Lord. They said, we cannot presume upon this, but we can take it to our hearts for their very great comfort. Oh, there's comfort and encouragement to our hearts that we read concerning Jonah, that the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time. Because here was a man who had failed to obey the Lord. And in his failure to obey the Lord the first time, the Lord could have just let him go. And deservedly so, Jonah would have been left. But in mercy, the Lord followed after him. And the Lord would bring Jonah back. And the Lord would restore Jonah unto himself. And I say to you today, that's mercy. That's mercy. An individual that has failed the Lord, but it's not final with the Lord. The Lord followed after him, and the Lord restored him, and the Lord recommissioned him again. The word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time. It's the mercy of God that the Lord spoke to Jonah again. And isn't that encouraging for us this morning? To know that the Lord still desires to restore the fallen and to use them again. And there are many examples in Scripture of those who who failed the Lord on numerous occasions, and yet the Lord was so merciful, and the Lord was so gracious to them, and the Lord restored them, and the Lord used them. Think of Jacob. Jacob was the supplanter. Jacob was the twister. Deceived his own father. He failed the Lord many times, but God in mercy did not let him go. That Bethel, the Lord, would break Jacob down and would bring him back to himself and would bless him. You think of individuals like David and David sinned against the Lord. He grievously sinned against the Lord. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. But God in mercy didn't let him go. The man after God's own heart. The Lord chastened him. But the Lord restored him and the Lord used him mightily. When you think of Peter, the apostle Peter, one who would claim he was ready to die with the Lord, and yet he denied the Lord with oaths and with curses. But the Lord in mercy did not let him go. And there on the shores of Galilee, Peter was restored unto the Lord, and Peter was recommissioned by the Lord. There are many others. You could look at example after example. Those who have failed the Lord and yet that failure was not final and the Lord in mercy was pleased to speak to them a second time, maybe a third time and a fourth time. We would all have to confess our unworthiness. 
in the service of the Lord. We've failed the Lord many times. And that sense of our own unworthiness, we could feel at times, how could we ever serve the Lord again? How could the Lord ever use us? But God in mercy did not let us go. He could have deservedly let us go, but the Lord graciously restored us to himself. And the marvel is this, that God is pleased to use us, to use us in his service, to his honor, and to his glory. You know, Jonah here in his commissioning for the Lord, he would know, he would know by experience the Lord's mercy. If you glance ahead into Jonah chapter 4 and the verse 2, and here's Jonah at prayer again, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. You see how Jonah knew the Lord there and knew those great attributes and those characteristics of the Lord. I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. He knew that personally because the Lord in mercy did not let him go. Jonah experienced that mercy. And so in the commissioning of Jonah, we see the mercy of God, but I want you to see as well the message of God. Verse 2 of our Bible reading, Arise, go on to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And again, it was the same commission. It was the same message that the Lord had given as it's recorded there in the opening words of the book in chapter 1. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Preach. Preach to that great city. And that preaching is still God's ordained means. Preach the word. That's the charge to God's servants. Preach the word. Nineveh, as it's recorded there, when you even look back to chapter 1 and verse 2, the end of that verse says, For their wickedness is come up before me. Nineveh was a sinful city. And therefore it was a place that needed a preacher. How shall they hear? Without a preacher, how shall they preach except they be sent? And there's the Lord commissioning Jonah and saying to him, Arise, go on to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. They need to hear the preaching of God's word. And what a mercy it is when there's a man sent by God to preach, a man sent by God with a message from God. You look at our Bible reading there at the end of that second verse, it says, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. The preaching that I bid thee. And what that indicates to us is that Jonah received the message from God. 
The message that he had to preach, he received that message from God. And that must ever be the charge to the preacher of the gospel. Preach the message that God gives you. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and the verse 18. The Lord said through Moses there, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. The Lord says, I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto the people all that I shall command him. That's the preaching that I bid thee. And the Lord promised through Moses to raise up such a prophet that was to preach all that the Lord commanded him. Jeremiah chapter 1 and the verse 7. Concerning the prophet Jeremiah, it says, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. That was the exhortation to Jeremiah. He was to speak the message that God had given him. That's a prophet of the Lord. Think of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and the verse 23. Words that we often read at the Lord's table. And the Apostle Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And even the Apostle Paul there is showing us that what he was bringing to God's people, what he was bringing to the churches, was the message that God had given him. What I received of the Lord is what I delivered unto you. The false prophet is the very opposite. The false prophets speak their own words which the Lord has not given them. False prophets would claim to have a message from God, but the Lord never gave them that message. Jeremiah 14 and the verse 14, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither speak unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their own heart. The true prophet, the true preacher of the Lord will preach the message that God has given them. A false prophet, they're preaching a message that God did not give them. And it's from the deceitfulness of their own heart. And therefore the Lord would say in Matthew 7, beware, beware of false prophets. And many who would be abroad today promoting false religion, bringing a false message, the message must be according to the word that the Lord has bidden us, that which he has revealed through the scriptures of truth and the preaching of Jonah, the Lord said, Preach to Nineveh the preaching that I bid thee. That was his message. 
message from God. So in the commissioning of Jonah, you can see the mercy of God and you can see the message of God. Jonah was God's man with God's message. But I want you to see secondly here the compliance of Jonah. When you look at verse 3, so Jonah arose and went on to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now it's different this time. The first time Jonah received the exact same command, the exact same commission, but Jonah rebelled. And Jonah went in the opposite direction and he got on board that ship to Tarshish and he paid his fare and he went down into the ship and he went to sleep and he wanted the Lord to leave him alone. Before when he was told to arise and go, he arose and he ran away. But this time, you compare the words from verse 2 to verse 3. Verse 2 says, Arise, go on to Nineveh. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went on to Nineveh. And I want you to see there the obedience of Jonah. He complies with the message that God had given him. He complies there with the commission from God. He went on to Nineveh. He made the journey. We don't know the details of that journey. The end of chapter 2, that great fish had vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. We don't know where he was washed up on the shore. But he now had to go to Nineveh. And he made that journey on to Nineveh. We don't know how far he had to travel, but there he is. And he has got as far as Nineveh itself. And he's coming up to that great city. And it's a walled city. There's a wall that goes right around it. The vastness of that city. And of course, we've learned already from the opening words of the book, the wickedness of that city. But Jonah's got right to that point. He's on to the city. He could have even at this stage been overwhelmed by the task that lay before him, by the responsibility that now was upon him. He could still have turned back. He's got as far as the very walls of the city. Just glance into verse 4. Jonah began to enter into the city. You know, that was a step of faith. That was a step of obedience. It was one thing to go right on to the city, but now he's gone into the city. And there's God's man. A man sent by God with a message from God, and he's gone to the place that the Lord would have him to be. He's right there in the very center of God's will, to the place of his calling, and he's going to preach the word that the Lord has given him. What a task. It's been often said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you and the power of God cannot use you. 
And Jonah's going to enter into this great city and he's going to fulfill the commission that God has given him. He's complying here in obedience with the Lord and thank God for faithful men and women who have been called of God and have gone forth with the message of the gospel in obedience to the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. The obedience of Jonah. I want you to think for a moment about the difference of Jonah here. Because as he now complies with the will of the Lord, he's a different man. He's been through quite a lot here. And in all that he has been through and all that we have looked at in the life of Jonah up to this point, and we can see all that he experienced there, the Lord has been overruling in it all. And the Lord has been using it all to fashion Jonah, and to shape Jonah, and to mold him into that individual who's prepared for service. You see, Jonah's a man who has now been forgiven for great sin. His rebellion against God is running away from God. He has experienced God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And such an individual will always have that deeper understanding of our own unworthiness when we know that God has been long-suffering and patient with us, and God has been gracious and merciful, that humbles us. That sense of being forgiven by the Lord, it can only produce something of a thankful, humble heart within that individual a consideration of the mercy and kindness of the Lord in pardoning him, in speaking to him a second time, in giving him now that second opportunity. Oh, Jonah will go forth to Nineveh as a different man, as he's approaching their great wickedness, as he's going to be approaching as sinners. He's approaching them as one himself who has experienced forgiveness and who has experienced mercy. And he could look at those individuals and say, there go I, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I say Jonah's now better equipped to serve the Lord and dealing with those before him. He experienced forgiveness. He experienced answer to prayer. Here's a man who proved by experience that God answers prayer. Here's a man who knew what it was to cry from the depths. The depths of despair, what Jonah referred to as the belly of hell. He couldn't get any further down. And Jonah from that point said, I will look again to the Lord. And as he looked to the Lord, he cried to the Lord in prayer. And what was he looking for from the Lord? He was looking for mercy. And the Lord heard him. And the Lord commanded the great fish. And the fish vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. 
And Jonah knows by experience God has answered prayer in a remarkable way. And to go forward in service for the Lord, it's a necessary qualification to know with assurance that God answers prayer. Because as you go forward to serve the Lord and you become aware of the great difficulties that lie before you, you need to be assured that the Lord will answer prayer. Psalm 66 and the verse 16 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. My Jonah could Jonah could have said that to the Ninevites. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. He has forgiven me. He has answered prayer for me. And Jonah is a different man. And he's different as well because of the affliction and the trial that he has come through. He had referred to it as his affliction. In chapter 2 and the verse 2, he says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And you remember that deep affliction and the trial that he went through. Oh, we could say it was self-afflicted. But through that time of deep distress, he proved the faithfulness of the Lord faithfulness of the Lord through times of great trial, that's a necessary preparation for service. As Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, and he said a situation of trial is a preparation for service. And so in all that Jonah had experienced here, even though it was as a result of his rebellion uh, before God, yet the Lord was in mercy overruling it all, and the Lord was using the situation and even the experience of trial and affliction to further shape Jonah. That when he would now go to Nineveh, he would be the man that God has prepared and God has molded. Yes, Jonah would still have trials and struggles, and we'll see some of that when we come into chapter 4 in the will of the Lord. But Jonah here now, as he goes forward in service and he's complying with the word of the Lord to his heart, he's a different man, and he's better prepared to serve the Lord. So sometimes we don't understand the way that the Lord brings us. We don't understand why we have to go through certain situations of great trial. But it can be the Lord's way of preparing us. and The Lord's way of shaping us and fashioning us into those vessels that are sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And so the commissioning of Jonah and the compliance of Jonah. But thirdly and very quickly, I want you to think here about the compassion of the Lord. The compassion of the Lord. The end of verse 3 of our Bible reading, it says, Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And so Nineveh is described as an exceeding great city. And that's the city that the Lord 
would now have compassion upon an exceeding great city. We would say exceeding great in relation to its size. The end of that third verse says it was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. What did the three days' journey mean? Well, we've indicated that Nineveh was a walled city. And it tells us, history tells us, that the walls of that city were 100 feet high. And those walls were thick enough and wide enough that three chariots could ride abreast right around the walls of that city. And that was the three days' journey. Three days to get right around it. Said that the circumference, the perimeter of the city, it would have been 60 miles, 60 miles long. We have a walled city, Londonderry, an ancient city. It's still possible to walk around the top of the walls of that city, and I have done that. And it's estimated that it's around about one mile if you go right around it. That gives you an idea of something of the scale and the size of this city of Nineveh, 60 miles. An average day's journey was considered to be 20 miles. And therefore, that's why it said it was a three-day journey, because 20 miles per day would give you the three days. But this is giving us an idea of the scale and the size of Nineveh. It's an exceeding great city because of its size, and it's an exceeding great city because of its strength. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was very strong militarily. It was a powerful city with great fortifications. The ruins of Nineveh have been found situated in northern Iraq, closest to the city of Mosul. And so they can even tell from the architects of that city that it was such a powerful city by way of its strength. If you were to look into chapter 4 of Jonah and the verse 11, it's a very final verse of the book. It says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? And so the six score thousand persons, that's 120,000, by the way, 120,000 who could not discern between their left hand and their right hand. That was a reference to the infants in the city of Nineveh. Those who hadn't yet reached the years of understanding to know their right hand from their left those who had not reached that age of accountability, and there were 120,000 of them. And so if they had 120,000 infants, it is estimated that there would have been somewhere in the region of a million people in the city of Nineveh. And that's the city the Lord was going to have compassion upon. 
And so it was an exceeding great city in relation to its size and in relation to its strength. But I say this, an exceeding great city in relation to its sin. As with many large cities, they become places of great wickedness. And over a little bit in the Old Testament, you come there to Nahum. And Nahum in the chapter 3 refers to Nineveh. And just in the opening verse, it says, Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. The wickedness is brought out a little more there in the fact that it says it's a bloody city. It's bloody in relation to the violence that was taking place in that city. Days of terrible violence. It says it was full of lies, full of deceit and treachery. Refers to robbery, criminality. You can just begin to imagine something of the exceeding great sin in that particular city. Terrible sinfulness, and yet that's the city that the Lord would have compassion upon. And the Lord would send a preacher to preach to this city. And the characteristics of Nineveh are not unlike the days in which we are living in. A world that lieth in wickedness today. And yet we read those beautiful words that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And thinking of the great compassion and love of the Lord Jesus Christ as he pours out his life's blood unto death. He has been gracious and merciful and compassionate to us. And if you're not right with the Lord this morning, just like those Ninevites, the Lord has been compassionate to you. And there would be a call today to you to repent of your sin. There would be an invitation today to you to come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to taste and see that the Lord is good. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning.